grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the Gospel reading today, John the Baptist, he didn't decide who he was when people asked him. It wasn't up to him. His identity was given to him, along with his given task and office. God had spoken through the prophets, pointing to his person and work. He was the voice crying out into the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. That's what he was called by God to do. He wasn't the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And so you can't be something you're not. And you can't be someone you're not. And who you are is created by God and proclaimed by him. Listen again to that, that we heard a few minutes ago. This is the testimony, or literally witness, of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John was faithful in his words. He confessed the faith as he was told who he wasn't, as he told who he wasn't, and then would tell of and point to Jesus. They asked him, what do you say about yourself? And he answered, this is what God's word says about me. And that's what a faithful confession of Jesus does. It rejects error, proclaims what is true, and John was doing this in a reading. Even if, in theory, which is kind of an absurd thing, would have said yes to these questions, just to get him off the back, that he would be proclaimed one, something among them, which it would have actually brought more insult to injury, most likely, it wouldn't have still made it true. It would just either have made John a liar or God a liar. And it's no different when it comes to many things in life. It goes back to God as the creator. He is the one who creates life and what it is created to be. The days of creation saw the various things of the universe come into being, and we still see many of these things around us today. Animals, trees, oceans, land, sky, so many other parts of creation. They have their source in the Lord who spoke them into being. And then finally, the pinnacle of creation was man. God created man, Adam, and from Adam, God created woman, Eve. So when you start thinking about these things, and then you think about yourself, you're not standing on the banks of the Jordan River with a group of people sent to interrogate you. But still, that question is asked of you in your life in various ways. Who are you? And the answer to that question doesn't reside in yourself. You don't define who you are. That's not yours to do. But look at the links we do try to do this in our lives in so many ways. And there are elements of things we can define in our lives, right? Things below us. You can be a fan of a certain sports team. You can like a certain food, those things. But fundamentally, we're talking about here. How is it that you define who you are? Well, the temptation is for us to define ourselves by our desires, our wants, or maybe what others may tell us is very real and all around us. 
That's a prevailing thought in the world today. Look simply how people speak about themselves and how they live this out. It's in vogue for people today to define themselves by their sin. And what a trick the devil has played on the world, and shame on us when we believe the lie. But God warned of this numerous places. In one place, even in the prophet Isaiah, when he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. And again, in 2 Timothy, St. Paul warns, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so this is the testimony or witness of the devil, the world, and our fallen flesh. Because these things like to find our identity in all sorts of ungodliness. This past week, there was an article about an activist who wants all children to be given hormone blockers until the point they could decide for themselves what sex or as the fallen world has tried to redefine it, gender, the child wants to be. So these basic things of our identity have been thrown totally upside down. And then to add insult to injury, we want to try to bring God into the mix at times and claim he's the source of our sinful lives, saying, well, he's giving me desires, he's made me this way, or he wants me to do these things. But God is not the source of sin, and God cannot be mocked. So all of these things, in many and various ways, are attempts to try and save ourselves apart from Christ. And instead, instead of seeing who our true identity is, it's actually an evidence of sin and unbelief, an identity of our sinful nature. So God calls his people to turn from this thinking, which is idolatrous. In Ephesians, he says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So who, you are, who are you living in this world? Well, as God tells it, don't let even those things be named on your lips. That's not to be the identity of saints. Don't use that language. Don't redefine terms, which is the first step into buying into the lies. Because you see, your identity, who you are, it's far more important, far more is at stake. Go back to John the Baptist. He knew who he was because he listened to the voice two words of God. He was merely a voice. And the word of God has preached to you today as well and calls you to be faithful. And you're called to confess Christ and his word faithfully. Now, John, God has not called you to be John the Baptist, and he's not called you even to be a preacher of the word. But the Holy Spirit has given a faith to you that confesses him before God and men. Your faith in Christ is a gift. Remember back to your confirmation days. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. So God calls you as a Christian, that identity he's given to you, to be a voice in this world where the Lord has placed you. Be it a husband, a wife, a farmer, a teacher, a citizen in this country. And at times it may sound like you are crying out in the wilderness of this world, amongst your friends, your family, whatever. But the Lord still calls you to be faithful before all people. Jesus said, so everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. 
But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So this is why you must be students of God's word. You must be reading the scriptures. You must be studying them daily. You must be praying to God each and every day for wisdom according to his word and a courage to be faithfully confessing him in your words and your life. The Christian church is at a point in history. This is us. And she has been in this before. It's not new. Where the world is not friendly to the confession that comes out of our mouths. And you are going to get asked more and more, or maybe you already are, that question, who are you? Or perhaps it may be worded more along the lines of, what do you believe? Or why in the world do you believe that nonsense? For the Christian, it's the same question. Who are you and what do you believe? Those are the same thing. But you see, God also attaches something to this word which is confessed in this world. He tells us further, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. So John the Baptist then was a great saint who serves as an example for you. He who preached this word through him and accomplished the purposes for which he sent it. And even as John was facing death, he might have been wondering what in the world is this purpose that he was losing his head for. But he went to his death knowing the one whom he was preaching about. In the reading today, it said, He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And then he said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So here's John the Baptist, who's not even to stoop down, get on the ground, and untie the strap of the sandal of the one who was to come, because this is the one who was prophesied throughout the scriptures, such as in that Old Testament reading today, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. And in most of your Bibles, prophet is capitalized there because it's a reference to Christ from among you that is coming from your midst. So although he was unworthy to untie the strap of the sandals of this one, he who came long foretold came with redemption. His identity was spoken of through the word and produced hope and what would to come about when he stepped into the world. He came with grace, he came with mercy, he came to save. And so he did. Because Jesus is the Christ. He's all of those names we sang in the great O antiphons that were in this time of Advent. If you remember, there's all these days now leading up to the end of Advent and Christmas. And we sing those in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's, they have those O antiphons, at least parts of those. So then, as a Christian, then, you do not cling to your sin, but you have your identity given to you. Confessing your sin, you place that onto Christ, and his word says something in return. He says, I forgive you. And he covers you, and you're a new creation now. You rejoice instead in what the Lord gives, what he speaks. God makes you his own. He calls you his own. And you are his own. That's who you are this last Sunday of Advent. 
And God showers down upon you what Jesus has done for you. And you're known by God on account of Jesus. You are a Christian. So that when now you stand before the throne of God, and God looks at you and he says, who are you? Christ steps in and says, he's with me. He's my own. And looking to Jesus, the one who was promised, who has come and is here now and is coming again, you see who you truly are. You see your salvation. And what a real and lasting identity this truly is to be in Christ. God says through St. Paul in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the definition of your life, your identity. That's who you are for the sake of Jesus crucified for you. That's your baptismal identity. So all of those names of the O Antiphons, Desire of Nations, the Kings, Son of David, Key of David, all of those things, they cover you, and they belong to you as you have been clothed with Christ. And so then you have a freedom to be who you really are. And it's a freedom to live. This is the life that lives, as St. Paul wrote in the epistle reading, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's God who keeps you in his care, and notice he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So knowing who you are in Christ, you rejoice in everything, because you have eternal life. You're a son of God through faith in him. And God keeps you in his care. He won't let you fall. You know who you are. Having a clear conscience before God, then it, and it silences the devil. It silences the world and it silences the fall, your fallen flesh, even though all the world and its arrows may be pointing directly at your head. And what a freeing thing to know what God thinks of you is dependent not about what you think about yourself, but about what Christ has done for you. And that's never changing. And you see, that's the confidence that John the Baptist had. He knew he wasn't the Christ. But just after our reading ends, he saw him coming up and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who is the resurrection and the life, so that when John was killed for his preaching... He went to his death as one who has eternal life. And your life is a real life that is eternal. So not even death can take away that identity, that you are a Christian. Sin brings about slavery and death, but Christ comes with healing and brings new life. He breaks the bonds and the chains of sin, death and the devil by his perfect life, suffering and death. And he makes you his new creation, even as he will make all things new on the last day. This is the confession, too, that God has put on your lips, that flows from your faith, and confesses it in the world around you. So Advent is drawing to a close. And this last Sunday of Advent, for centuries, God's people cry out, Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. God's people have been praying that a long time. 
And with that same breath, God's people and you know that redemption has come in Jesus. He is your righteousness who showers you with his grace and covers you with that forgiveness of sins and gives you eternal life. So you go on. You press forward in this fallen world as the mighty church of God, knowing that the Lord is at hand. And you rejoice. You rejoice always. Because the day is coming when you, who you are, will be even more fully known. The day where all sin is gone, where death is no more, where the devil is forever in hell with his people and demonic crew. But until that day, you are still the Lord's, and he's still yours. Cling to his word. Cling to your baptism. Confess your sin. Receive his absolution. Feasted at his supper, taking into your mouths his true body and blood given and shed for you. And in all of this, know with absolute certainty, with absolute joy, with absolute hope, who God has called you to be. You are a Christian. You are a saint, an heir of eternal life. That's your identity, who you are now and forever. Amen.